and welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley Fitness, Wellness, and Endurance Sports Podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Kevin Watt. We're brought to you by Wenting's Cycling Mission. Here is your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Bruce. Your Wenting's Word of the Week, Bruce. Mention that word to Bruce or any staff member the next time you are at Wenting's, maybe on Wednesday for that Wednesday night spin session that starts at 6, and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Bruce. Also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With the triathlon season over, it's time to start thinking about the season ahead. TriJoy can help. Whether your goal is to improve your run, speed up your swim, or maybe you just need to stay motivated, we offer in-person consultations, effective training plans, and regular progress assessments to help keep you on track. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See the link at the bottom of this page. Coming up on this edition of FitSpeak, a feature interview with a member of Canada's national triathlon team, an athlete focused on the Olympics. Matthew Sharp is our guest, and Kevin Watt will also be dropping by for social media shoutouts. But first, your FitSpeak 54 at the races. Starting off this time, a shout-out to the folks at the Mission Firefighters Movember Fundraiser. They held their annual dodgeball tournament a few weeks back, and even though the team I was on only lasted a couple of rounds, the talented groups were out there a lot longer. And at the end of the night, it was the newcomers called Bald Upper Lip winning the coveted trophy. They won out over last year's champs, the Mission Cedar Kings. Also placing near the top were the Abbey Police and the Penny Cafe. At the end of the night, over three grand was raised for their Movember fundraiser. Thanks to Dave Taylor for putting that on. Also a howdy to Marie Lashley, who organized this year's Santa Shuffle in Abbotsford. They had a huge amount of participants at their new location at Rotary Stadium. They raised just over $13,000 for the Salvation Army. Finally, we have race results from Mitchell Hudson's Tri-Events Vancouver Historic Half Marathon. Taking first in the men's division in 1 hour, 17 minutes was Hans Zimmerling. Three minutes back for second, Wes Kirk. Taking third in the men's half marathon was Jeff Scotes in 1 hour and 21 minutes. For the females, the winner, Chloe Peters in 1.29, just a minute behind in second, Fiona Magende. And third in a time of 1 hour and 32 minutes was Catherine Short. They also had a 10K as well, and the winning time of 37 minutes was Colin Jepson. Taking second overall, Vivian Davidson, and the bronze in the 10K went to Jerron Percy in 38 minutes. And that's your FitSpeak 54 at the races. And welcome to another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, uh, doing Google Hangouts for the very first time, talking to one of Canada's elite triathletes, coming to us from somewhere south of the border. It is <laughs> former Campbell River resident, uh, Matthew Sharp. Matt, welcome to FitSpeak. Hey, thanks for uh, having me, Kevin. I'm excited to be uh, chatting with you and see you today. And thank you so much for taking the time. First things first, where are you today and what are you doing there? So I'm in uh, currently in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and this is kind of my winter training base for, uh, for our triathlon season. So I've been down here since the beginning of December. And we'll kind of be based here through till uh, the end of May 
in and out for races uh, during that time. You're a member of Canada's team. Your big goal, of course, is to hit up the Olympics the next time they come around. Now, tell us, uh, let's go back to the beginning when you were uh, a swimmer. It looks like your parents were huge supporters of you from the beginning. Were they active in sports as well? Yeah, they were. My my dad used to play rugby, and he actually started doing triathlons kind of the same time as me. Uh, My mom did swimming when she was younger. Um, so there's kind of like, uh, you know, athletic, uh, genes in the family, but, uh, yeah, I kind of got into triathlon. My dad was doing it at the same time. Uh, I think a neighbor or friend, family friend convinced us to, to start them and, uh, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that early history. I was reading your biography and your parents were a bit concerned that you might be too small to play that ultimate Canadian sport, <laughs> curling. No, I mean hockey. So yeah, yeah, they got you into, or was that something you did on your own, competitive swimming? Not exactly. Uh, it's funny you say that. The first sport I ever did, I don't know if I really did it competitively, but uh, the first sport I ever did was gymnastics. So I was a little kid, uh, you know, five or six years old, running around, jumping on the trampoline, rolling around on the floor, doing that kind of stuff. And then I kind of uh, got into soccer, like many other young Canadians. So I played soccer you know, fairly competitively, represented Campbell River um, at the kind of island level for a little bit. But uh, ultimately, I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe it was just something for my parents to put my brother and I in, you know, to keep us distracted for a few hours uh, every weekday. But uh, they, I remember the day where they, they brought us to the, my mom brought us to the pool. Uh, it was funny. I, I didn't want to go swim. I really didn't want to, you know, do this. I just wanted to play soccer. Um, but you know, it's funny you you get into it and and I found myself being, you know, an okay swimmer and, you know, going to these meets and getting personal bests and, you know, winning these medals and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. So I was kind of drawn to that. So what was your first big win as a swimmer that you kind of, um, remember and hold dear to your heart? You know, I never really had too many major victories in swimming, which is probably why I ended up doing triathlon in the, in the, in the end. But, uh, for me, I think I went to one of the Vancouver Island meets and, you know, won a, a bunch of medals, maybe Michael Phelps style, you know, you win a ton of medals uh, at the Vancouver Island regionals or something. And I thought that was pretty cool. Wow, so, that's that's the Olympics. Yeah, that was very motivating when you're young. Yes. You're motivated by that kind of stuff. You want all those medals. <laughs> <laughs> In order to, to perform at that kind of level, how many hours a week were you training when you were uh, kind of like at the peak of your swimming awesomeness? Probably the most... I ever did swimming competitively was probably about five or six times a week. Um, I remember, you know, kids that age, a lot of times they're getting into those morning swims, you know, they're doing doubles um, very frequently. But uh, I remember vividly, I went to one of them, the morning swims and I think I just, I don't know what happened. It did not go well. And uh, my coach told me to never come back <laughs> to the morning swim again. So I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Just probably for the best because I think I enjoy with triathlon. I just enjoy you know doing the other sports. So I think in the end that kind of would have won out. Any swimming, you know, twelve times a week. I don't think I would have been able to do that. And what was your motivation to you know kind of wind up the the gold medal at the Olympic aspirations for swimming and get into this crazy sport that you're now following with such passion and success? Um, especially for people my generation and a bit older. Um, you know, it ultimately comes down to the guy, Simon Whitfield. I'm from Vancouver Island. He was training on Vancouver Island when he went and, you know, won his first gold medal. And I think that kind of spawned a generation of of young kids to, to see this sport and be like, whoa, like, you know, we're good at this. You know, this is something that's tangible. You know, you can go and be successful at the Olympics and be from Canada and be from Vancouver Island. 
So, you know, I think I seeing him having success definitely was a huge uh, proponent and a huge factor in my ultimately deciding to do triathlon. How old were you when Simon won that gold at the uh, Sydney Olympics? I think I was about nine. Okay. Yeah, so I was a young guy and I'd probably done my first triathlon, you know, right before that. And, you know, I wouldn't have really known that much. I mean, I had done one, but... Uh, you know, I wouldn't have known much about the uh, elite side or anything like that. You know, I thought it was just kind of a fun thing to do with my family. Um, but then seeing that, obviously, it uh, the dreams just grow from there. So take us through your story. So you see Simon Whitfield do this amazing thing, win the gold we- uh, medal with the Canadian maple leaf on his chest. And then you decide to pursue this in a fairly serious way, eventually moving from Campbell River to Victoria, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started training kind of exclusively for triathlon when I was about uh, 14 years old. Um, And kind of at that time, my family, um, you know, they were in the process of already kind of making that move to Victoria anyways. Um, It wasn't solely for triathlon, but uh, I mean, you know, having those resources down there and the ability to train at the National Center and kind of be in that environment certainly uh, helped anyways now how old, me how old were you at that, <laughs> that time when you were training with all the uh the the high caliber heavy hitters at the national center in victoria so i was invited to train at the center um when i was about 15 uh the coach at the time patrick kelly um he kind of invited me down and he knew i was you know doing kids of steel races and all that kind of stuff and you know i had a nice uh introduction to kind of that high performance center and you know seeing all the elite athletes there, all the older guys, you know, got me pretty excited to uh, keep pursuing it. And, you know, in the end, I ended up uh, moving schools and, you know, moved to Victoria, you know, full time. And, you know, and that just kind of went from there. Uh, can you tell us about some of the setbacks that you've experienced in your career and possibly how you've used them as motivation for yourself right now, whether it's in racing or training in life? Yeah, I would say, I mean, there's two probably major, um, you know, for me, I'm uh, I'm a six foot four guy. And, you know, when I grew, I think, you know, I wasn't quite prepared to uh, with the tr- when the trial, the training I was doing to handle it with my body. So I was getting injured fairly frequently. Um, but one of the main kind of setbacks or maybe uh, turning points, I did a, uh, World Series race, my first World Series race in San Diego in 2013. And it was a very, uh, it was a good experience in a way because, you know, it was very eye opening. I went there, you know, I didn't expect myself to do amazing or anything, but, you know, I wanted to do well. But yeah, I, I basically uh, was very humbled. No. <laughs> <laughs> Put it that way. Put it in a nice way. And, uh, and so that was kind of like a big, a big, like, whoa, like, you know, how am I going to get, I need to get to, you know, that level. I need to, you know, be training or racing, you know, at this level, how am I going to do that? Uh, and at the same time, actually, um, triathlon Canada, you know, things had kind of shifted a bit because Simon had retired and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then they hired a man named Jamie Turner to head the national program. So that summer, you know, right after that San Diego race, I moved to Europe this summer, started training with, uh, Jamie Turner's group. You know, and at the time, you know, he had very high caliber athletes. Uh, He had a U23 world champion. He had, you know, Gwen Jorgensen was there, you know, obviously before she won her gold medal, but she was still an impressive athlete, world-class performer, very impressive environment. And and that was something, you know, for me to be able to, you know, 
see these guys train day in, day out and, and put myself in that environment. I think it was a very good uh, learning opportunity. So at that time, you're watching, you know, these hopefully good role models do their thing and go about it. What were some of the things that you remember now in hindsight? What did you learn from that experience, whether it was from the, the workouts themselves or from the people? It's one of those things where um, if, you're, if you're not there, you know, you have these ideas of what things are like and what, you know, these guys must be perfect, you know, they're at this level, but you get on the ground and you get your feet on the ground and you realize like these guys are just, you know, these are regular people, you know, they just may have better habits than you or, you know, may just, you know, be doing certain things differently. And so, you know, you're basically trying to become as a, like a sponge, just absorbing, you know, what they're doing, obviously trying not to do the bad things, but uh, <laughs> taking in the good things as much as you can. And so that was kind of, for me, it was just seeing like, okay, you know, these guys are normal people. Like, I'm just like these people, you know, if I put in the work and be consistent, all that kind of stuff, then I can be at that level. And then eventually the the work started to pay off. Tell us about that first win on the ITU circuit when you were 19. You know, it's funny, that race actually, it was, it's interesting because uh, that was my second Olympic distance race, you know, coming out of junior. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a big jump. You go from sprint distance trainings for that to, uh, you know, having to race men. And you're mm -hmm. still kind of, I was still kind of a boy at the time. I'm kind of a late mature. So, you know, I still consider myself not quite... Uh, in that league but it, it was funny the race before my first olympic distance race um I, I got pretty excited on the swim of the bike and you know i probably cooked myself uh quite a bit too much and came off and you know ran a 45 minute 10k mm. i think that put me in like uh 30th place or something and so you know it's tough because you're doing your first olympic distance obviously you want to perform as well as you can and definitely made a big mistake out there and and so i think the next race after that the one in san francisco you know, I was able to learn from that. I kind of back a little and kind of took those lessons. And then, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough. I was able to uh, take the win. So that was a, kind of a good lesson learned in that way. And what did that win mean for your career? Into the elite racing as a junior. Like I said, it's a very tough transition. Um, so for me, it was just kind of a, it just kind of was like, okay, like, you, you know, you, you belong here. It kind of made me feel like, you know, I, I definitely knew what I was like. Yeah. I knew I was on the right path and, yeah. you know, it was, uh, it reaffirmed my, decision to you know pursue elite sport for sure absolutely a validation of the time uh, the decision uh decisions rather that went into the yeah. process now exactly. you also went uh in addition to europe you also went to australia to turn in uh train rather in your early 20s what was your motivation to head down south there um training with uh, jamie turner's group um they were based in australia for you know the winter months so yeah on uh, december 31st i would pack my bags and head down, uh, head down under. And, you know, again, it was being in that high performance environment and being with all those, uh, world-class athletes, like that's where I thought I needed to be. And, and it was again, like a very, a very good learning experience, but I also did have some setbacks, uh, when I was there. Tell us about those. You know, I, I suffered from injuries, overuse injuries. And I think, um, you know, part of the, part of the thing was, you know, being in that world-class environment, you know, the, uh, you feel the pressure of, you know, wanting to train at the same level as everyone. But uh, I think, you know, in hindsight, I probably could have made better decisions in terms of, you know, myself within that environment. Um, and, you know, I made many decisions that probably led to me being frequently injured and, and not having those consistent race periods. I think I missed out on a lot of racing uh, in those early 20 periods because uh, of bad decisions I was making. 
how does that affect you mentally? I mean, you're unable to race or train to your potential and you're in a situation like that where everybody is out there every day crushing it and there mm-hmm. you are on the exactly. sidelines. How do you uh, deal with that psychologically? It's, it never gets really easier. Um, I'm lucky I haven't had too many injuries in the last few years, but uh, you know, looking back on those times, it was really difficult. Um, I remember there's a lot of uh, emotional phone calls home mm. because, you know, I was in Australia. I was so far away from home. There's, and you're there, you know, you're there to train. You're not there to hang out on the beach and go surfing, right? So yes. you, you don't really have too much to distract you from the fact that you're injured. But when I got into those periods of difficulty, there was always, and that's the beauty of triathlon, there's always kind of something you can do. Mm. Um, so for me, you know, I wasn't running. It was often injuries were just running related. Okay. Um, so, you know, I get like a tendonitis or uh, I think I had a labral tear at one point. What's that? So uh, it's a, I think it's a, it's a kind of a bit in your hip. Yeah, it was a while ago. So I don't remember exactly, uh, exactly what the, uh, where it is. Um, I think it's like something to do with the hip flexor. Okay. But yeah, so I had a labral tear and, you know, that took me out for a long time. Um, but yeah, I was always able to swim and I was always able to ride. So I was still able to, you know, get in there and train. But uh, yeah, I wasn't able to compete obviously without the running you know set little goals and and i was still able to train so i didn't feel like i was fully losing my fitness so i was able to you know back it up with some training and and you know that kind of got me through those tough times i was still able to like focus on what i could do yes. not what i couldn't do and that's one of the beauties of triathlon i mean it, there's yeah. you know three at least three disciplines some people say eating is the fourth and resting is the fifth yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, definitely. and writing race reports is the fifth <laughs> i've read <laughs> some of yours and they're full of uh passion and insight and self-doubt yeah, which makes yeah. for a fascinating reading but um when you combine the two sports that you could do, which were the, of course, swimming and the biking, you're able to keep off the pounds and keep in a pretty mental, positive mental yeah. state? I mean, I know uh, being an endurance athlete, there's probably a bit of, uh, you know, addiction personality <laughs> in terms of the endurance training. So if you're getting your, your hit of endorphins every day, then you're probably not... Uh, going to be too too down anyways just not to harp on setbacks too much i was looking at your website and i saw the picture of your broken bike at cannondale mm-hmm. you're pretty yeah. attached to your bikes by the sounds of it is was that a size 60 <laughs> it was it was it was it was a 60 yeah i'm not sure what size it would be now it's a, in a few pieces mm-hmm. um but yeah <laughs> this, 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 there's a bit of a story there um i was uh, i'd actually come back from australia uh that summer 2015 and you know, uh, I ended up kind of being on my own in terms of uh, Triathlon Canada kind of, you know, they were focusing on their Olympic athletes and I wasn't quite there. So, you know, I was kind of left off the radar, left on my own devices. So, you know, that whole summer of 2015, I was coaching myself and, you know, I was able to tap into my resources in Victoria, which really helped me kind of get back on my feet, um, including the cycling team, the Victoria Wheelers. They were a huge part of my kind of rebuild into triathlon after a long period of injury. Um, and I just kind of come off a couple really good results in Europe, you know, coaching myself. And then I was all kind of primed for another world cup race in, in Korea. And I was out for a ride one day and, uh, it's going through an intersection cycling through, there was the stop signs on either side, but I had the, 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 the sort of right away and a, uh, a guy in the pickup truck just, I don't know if he didn't see me. I don't know what was going on, but he just plowed through that intersection. And I think he started breaking, but mm. obviously not in time. And I got T-boned. Yeah, that took me out for a while. So I wasn't able to, to race and, you know, that destroyed the bike, obviously. But yes. I was pretty lucky in the end. I didn't have any major injuries or anything. So I think 
you know, it's funny looking back on, you know, that gymnastic stuff I talked about earlier. I think oh, yes. having that, having that, uh, you know, ability to fall and ability to kind of have that awareness. I think that ultimately helped me avoid some kind of uh, catastrophic, catastrophic injury. Earlier in the interview, you were saying you're, you're six, three or six, four. Uh, six four. Six yeah, four. So a taller guy. I was talking to my wife, and she said you might not be able to answer this question, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. So, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. A, a person of your size, six foot four. Um, what kind of? And once again, maybe maybe this is a silly question, but do you think you have or you enjoy any advantages or disadvantages to people, you know, closer to the middle of the bell curve, say the average five foot ten? Yeah. I think um, I think there can be some advantages. I think in the water, maybe there can be a slight advantage. Um, usually, good swimmers end up being a bit taller. Um, but I think feet are uh, longer. It can also, but uh, there can definitely be disadvantages. You know, like I alluded to earlier, um, being a taller athlete, I think I was just more susceptible to uh, overuse injuries and all that kind of stuff. And you know, if you get strong enough and able to control the limbs, then uh, you'll be all right. But uh, being taller, I think for the shorter stuff. Um, it's not too much of a disadvantage. Maybe you get up to the longer races, it can kind of hinder you a bit, just more body to, to roll around. But I think for what we're doing, you know, it's, uh, it's not too much of a disadvantage. It's just a matter of, uh, knowing your body and knowing, uh, the context of your body and, and sort of how to, uh, deal with it. And I guess finding bikes that are fast enough for you, not an issue. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not too much. I just kind of squeeze into the, uh, mainstream sizing. So most companies make, uh, the, the bikes that will fit me. So I'm lucky that way. If I was a little taller, I'd be in a tough spot. Tell us about your bikes. So you're riding out in Scottsdale right now. Your bikes are probably with you. One or two or maybe 102 bikes. What do you, what's your cash of <laughs> And bikes? plus one, I think. Uh, uh, that's yes. the goal, isn't it? <laughs> mm. Yeah. I have, uh, actually at the moment, I just have my two bikes here. Um, a cyclocross bike and uh, my road uh, my road race bike, which is a Trek Madone. Um, and the, my cross bike is the Norco threshold. Um, it's fun. We do a lot of cyclocross training down here in the early months just to work on the skills and the cornering and kind of just bike awareness. Uh-huh. Well, it mm-hmm. works and it's fun. It's just fun. Yeah. It works for you. works for Nathan Killing. Yeah. He's been having a pretty good yeah, season as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to corner like him. So <laughs> I don't have the mustache, unfortunately. Uh, the mustache, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's go back to, I mean, obviously our good friend out there in uh, Surrey, while well, he likes to call himself from Vancouver right now. But he does, the, yeah, the boy yeah. from, from Surrey, Surrey, the guy who works for the Delta. <laughs> but he's not, Nathan had a heck of a 2018. But let's talk more about yourself. What were some of your mm-hmm. big uh, racing accomplishments from this year? It's funny, you know, when I look back this year, um, it was a, it was a really good year, you know, for me, the ultimate thing is staying healthy, but, uh, yeah, you know, for me, um, staying healthy is the ultimate goal and I achieved that. So that's great. But, uh, in terms of results, um, you know, for me, honestly, I didn't, uh, it's funny looking back, I didn't hit any of my, you know, performance goals this year. Um, I wanted to, uh, come to the top five individually at the Commonwealth games and I ended up coming in ninth overall. Mm. Um, I wanted to win a World Cup race this year, and uh, the best result I had was fifth, I think. Um, And then I wanted to be ranked in the top 20, which wasn't really a huge priority, but uh, that's kind of a goal I set myself for, and Mm -hmm. I think I finished in 32nd or 34th or something. So, you know, looking at it that way, you know, you could say the year was kind of a fail. You know, (laughs) I never hit any of my target goals, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, I was able to compete – and the most races I ever have, I think I raced over 30 times this wow. year. Um, competed in Super League Triathlon, which is a huge honor because it's uh, 
you know, one of those dynamic uh, future, it's kind of the race of the future. Um, and, you know, you're racing the best guys in the world and, you know, to count yourself among them is, uh, mm-hmm. I think looking back, I'm pretty proud of myself for putting myself in there. Um, the results were, yeah, there's no marquee results, but they're all quite solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I finished 17th at the world championships, probably ran the best 10 K of my life off the bike. And so I have to be happy with that right now. Um, I guess you wouldn't even call this an off season, would you? <laughs> yeah, my off season was uh was about three weeks in November where <laughs> well two weeks in November I got completely off. Um and I was lucky I was able to spend um, you know, a week a good solid week with my girlfriend out east in Boston and then uh, in New York for a few days. Mm-hmm. So we had a great time there, it was a ton of fun. And then I went back home to Victoria for a couple weeks and kind of just chilled, you know, got to see friends and family who I don't obviously don't get to see very much because of this crazy lifestyle. But uh yeah, I enjoy, really enjoy my time when I am at home. Here we are uh, two weeks or so out of Christmas. Yep. How do you stay motivated when the rest of the world is, you know, three sheets to the wind, Christmas parties, <laughs> extra weight, chocolates, that whole thing? How, how do you keep your yeah. focus? It's it's interesting that way, you know, I don't really, in that kind of sense, you know, the Christmas parties, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I don't really restrict myself too much in terms of the diet. So Christmas rolls around, you know, I'll have some chocolate all. You know, enjoy the baked goods, all that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. um, I'll be training, so I'm not really too worried <laughs> about putting on it. Sometimes it's about getting enough calories at the end of the day. Um, but it's funny, you know, those for me, it's, you know, those big victories are great and those good results are great. But, you know, it's the ones that, you know, maybe you didn't succeed and, you know, the tough ones, that kind of what is what, you know, you know, fires me up through the off season. So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, I went to Malta and did this Super League race and, you know, I was very disappointed in my result and it was a lot of frustrating times in that race because I expected myself to do better and I didn't. And so, you know, I, when I'm out there this winter, that's kind of what I'm going to be thinking about and that's what's going to get me going. So what are a couple of the things you want to work on between now and your first race of the season for next year? The first race next year is going to be another uh, Super League event in Singapore. Um, and so again, we'll have to be ready for some crazy fast, you know, intense racing um, so for me, the cornering and the bikes can be very important, um, accelerations out of the corners for the cycling and then just obviously swim speed and then, um, running off, you know, very tired legs and especially with super league, you know, those multi-day formats, you gotta be ready to go, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and just, uh, so that's going to be a big focus for the next bit. And just again, staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Now, with the yeah. Super League racing, it's racing like most of the world hasn't seen up until the last couple of years. Um, you know, for the most part, Ironman gets a lot of press. The, you know, Olympics obviously get a lot of press. But when it comes to the Super League, I mean, they're still carving out their niche. I think they made some big inroads, especially with their announcing crew, which uh, garnered mm-hmm. a lot of respect and uh, excitement <laughs> on the internet. But Thinking about the racing itself, how would be uh, how would the nutrition be different in a Super League, uh, I guess, race as composed to uh, what you're usually used to in an Olympic distance or standard distance? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing too, right? With Super League, it's it's such a different race format. But we also have uh, the relay now, so that's kind of a big event for us um, going forward. And so that's also a short event, um, not so much nutritional. Uh, you know, requirements during the race, obviously before is very important to fuel correctly. Um, and but in what, the Super what League, does that mean for you? 
in the days of the Super League, whether it's before a race or after a race, what are you putting back into your body to, to get you fired up and recovered? You know, before the races, it's just simple carbs, rice, um, you know, eggs. It's, it's just so basic because you don't want to, you know, have anything upset your stomach. But mm. you also, you know, right after those races, you need to get in recovery foods, um, you know, good carbs, good protein, um, because yeah, you, and you need enough calories because they're so demanding. So you have to make sure you're, you're fueling as much as you can. Starting off then with the super league race in Singapore and what month is that going to be? It's going to be at uh, the end of February. End of February. So not that far along. So in addition no. to that, what are some of your A races for the upcoming year? Where do you want to kick yeah. some butt? Yeah. So obviously, you know, we're racing from February to November. You can't be, you can't be a game at every single one. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, I definitely want to be prepared for those first couple races, the Super League one. And then two weeks later is our first World Series in uh, Abu Dhabi. Um, for myself, I think the big overarching goal this year, obviously, is stay healthy, but then really perform in those uh, ITU mixed relay events. Um, Canada's going to be focusing on that, mm. obviously, because it's, uh, you know, with only 11 teams on the start line of the Olympics, if we put ourselves there. Mm. It's a one in 11 chance of winning a medal. It's a good odds. Yeah. So, you know, for me, that's obviously kind of the main focus is just solidify my spot on the relay team and Absolutely, then also yes. um, solidify my individual Olympic ranking, which, uh, you know, if the, the Olympics were held today, I'd be on the start line. So I'm in a good position right now. We're, we're excited for you. As a member of Canada's national team, um, let's talk a little bit about money here. Are there things that you can do as a, a racer on the team to, to have like your own private sponsors? How does that work? You know, for us, uh, you know, as athletes in Canada, we're lucky we get supported by the government to a certain level. Um, but obviously, they, we have demands that are a bit more than that. So for yeah. myself, I don't have too many uh, private sponsors. I'm lucky I have a lot of... Uh, friends and family who uh, who have supported me along the years and I'm very grateful for that but of course for myself I'm always looking out for uh, for more private support absolutely um, yes you know if people are interested in my journey I'd love uh, for them to reach out to me um, and I'd love to chat you know it's it's one of those things where um, you know we have a great endurance community in Canada I think uh, you know having being supporting athletes it's uh, it can be very fulfilling for sure so perhaps there's a bike sponsor waiting in the wings. Yeah, it would be great. You know, it's it's tough these days. Bikes are uh, bikes are a tough tough one these days. Uh, the industry, I don't know if it's doing amazingly, but uh, you know, I'm always on the lookout for uh, any kind of support. Well, hell, if Sanders can get one from finishing 34th at Ironman, <laughs> I think uh, I think you're up there yeah. if uh, if you're a Olympian, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's, now, uh, speaking not of... quite there yet, but. It's well on my way. Well sure. on your way, absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of the uh, long course stuff, it, a lot of the, the hot shots now who showed up in Kona, I mean, uh, Gomez, you know, he came from a short course. Uh, Alistair's, you know, that's the big threat for 2019 in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Um, is there anything that appeals to you about long course racing? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, obviously it's a huge part of the sport of triathlon. Um, and I definitely want to, uh, dip my toes in that sometime in the future, you know, for me and maybe in the next year or so, I'll try and jump into a 70.3 just to, you know, give it a go. Um, but yeah, I'd love to do some longer course racing in the future because only if only because it's a huge part of triathlon and I wouldn't feel like I, I will have been a full triathlete unless I've at least done one or two, you know, full length races. Give it a try. Hey, 
Yeah, definitely. I, I'm always up for anything, you know. Uh, speaking of a long-distance race, um, I was once again reading on your website. And did you ever finish mm -hmm. that 10-year undergrad degree? Uh, no, actually, it's still ongoing. I think I'm going to get the uh, long you know, <laughs> degree record. I think that's kind this of, is the Ultraman at work here. This is the ultra, yeah, the ultra, yeah, that's maybe, yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's definitely something that I'm, it's, it's funny, you know, at the end of the day, I think looking back, if I have any regrets, it's probably having not finished or at least got more of my schooling done. I think I've got a couple of years, like equivalent under my belt. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm still doing some more online classes, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, looking back, I probably could have done a lot more, but, uh, you know, maybe at the time I wasn't mature enough or whatever to uh, to handle both the sport and the school. And so the school ultimately suffered. But, you know, it's it's funny. My dad, he uh, used to be a real estate agent for a really long time and then ended up going back to school when he was 50 and becoming a, a psychiatric nurse. So, oh, wow. You know, that's kind of that's kind of one of those things that inspires me along the way. You know, my dad can do that and uh, I'll be OK. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's encouraging. So we'll ask you the yeah. standard Fitzby question. Um, there's a couple of them to, to keep you on your toes. So the first one is this. Let's take you back to uh, your favorite training ride in Victoria. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful day. Let's put you in the month of May. Nice. This you've is a good one. The ride. I like this one. A couple of buddies have done the ride. And you've already had your first drink of nutritious stuff whether that's a protein shake or blueberry juice or flax whatever your yeah, it's special... probably a cappuccino let's be honest so, okay let's be honest there. <laughs> um what's your uh because victoria is also known for a pretty decent uh craft brewing industry Question. what would be your beer of choice and beer of choice the Ooh. brewery and so, the, the beer it's it's funny uh it, it depends on the time of year really uh, uh well we're talking, we're talking may we're talking may, may so, okay if, yeah. if it's may Put away the um, stouts. <laughs> yeah, we'll put, we'll put away the heavy stuff. I think, uh, you know, it's 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 funny. I think um, for me, either the Hoyn Pilsner, it's a great uh, a great kind of just all-around beer. Uh, Phillips Blue Buck, it's, see, I can't even pick one. There's uh, <laughs> a few that are good. <laughs> it's a multiple choice. Yeah, yeah. So either of those two, I think, uh, you know, after a, a nice uh, May ride. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a pre-summer day, you know, it's, it's kind of warm out. So, yeah, one of those two for sure. Okay, and before we let you go, Matthew, we'll ask you the last one. Okay, you're no longer Matthew Sharp, human being. You are an animal. But if you could be an animal other than a human being, what would you be? And tell us why. Um, I think I would be uh, an eagle, actually. An eagle. Um, we had this discussion, me and my training partners, a, a long time ago, <laughs> you know, what our spirit animals were. Yes. I just thought that kind of was what drew, drew me uh, – you know, an eagle, I think, uh, being from the West Coast, mm -hmm. you know, there's always a, a presence of an eagle kind of watching over you, you know, wherever you are. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, eagle kind of mythology and First Nations um, culture. And so I think, yeah, I think it's just kind of uh, something I'm drawn to. So, yeah, mm -hmm. an eagle, I guess. Maybe if the eagle eyes, you know, just because I'm taller, I can see over. Abs yeah. So maybe that's part of it, too. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. thank you so much for... Uh taking the time to talk with us and inform our no listeners worries. about the inside scoop about what it's like to be a, an elite triathlete on his way. We're keeping our fingers crossed to the Olympics. Yeah, for sure. If you want to uh, follow along in the journey and post quite a bit to uh, Instagram. So my handle is at uh, MD sharp one. That's M D S H A R P E. And then the number one. Okay. So there you go. 
and uh, we can put up your other contact information such as your website and we'll do that right at the bottom of uh, our FitSpeak homepage. Hey, hey, FitSpeak listeners, I'm Kevin Watt with your Instagram shoutouts. It's our way of acknowledging and thanking the folks who are out there in the community doing great things. First off, a big shout-out goes to our one and only favorite rock and roll star, Mr. Dean Sherby, also known as Try1970. He's just come back from La Quinta, California, and he just competed in his very first half Ironman distance. So we want to congratulate him and um, look forward to uh, hearing his results. Secondly, we would like to acknowledge Annie, a.k.a. Running Yorkie Girl. She's based out of the Tri-City area. She also competed in the 70.3 this past weekend down in La Quinta, California, close to Palm Springs. Uh, Congratulations, a great job. Checked out all the photos. So exciting and proud of you. Um, and finally, Fitspeak would like to shout out to everybody who was on the podcast this year. We want to wish you uh, lots of success for the 2019 season. And we'd like to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And that's it for another edition of Fitspeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. Fitspeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycling Mission. Your Wenting's Word of the Week is Bruce. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week, Bruce. Also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Whether your goals are iron, bronze, or gold, our low client-to-coach ratio ensures you get the one-on-one time you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Be listening to us next time when we'll have your upcoming event schedule and on our Fit Tip of the Week, Part 1 of the Top Fitness Trends of 2018. Also, we'll chat again with Chad Bentley. He's the guy who did five Ironman distance races, no, not in his life, but on five consecutive days. Make sure you join us for that. And for all of us at Fitspeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.